0: Hello, it's Tuesday, May sixteenth, two thousand twenty-three. This is the Worthy to See podcast. I'm Chip Stewart, and what I'm going to cover today in this episode on freedom in Christ is from a teaching in our men's group at Dunwoody Community Church that um, that I led in August of two thousand twenty-two, and this was delivered between the uh, the teachings on Bible intake and the believer's rewards. Um, which I haven't recorded as an episode yet, but I do plan on covering in a future episode. So as we talk about uh, freedom in Christ today, it's going to be primarily based on um, scriptures in John chapter 8 and Romans chapter 6 through 8. So we'll, there's going to be other uh, scriptures that I'll, I'll be introducing in as, as we go through it, but those are going to be the primary basis for, for what we're going to talk about and the reason why I feel this is important is there seems to be a misunderstanding of what it means to be free in Christ. Uh, sometimes I think that um, some people believe that they can just you know, run around, helter-skelter, run amok. Um, it's like they accept the, the blood of Christ, and then they're free to do whatever they want. But this, as we go through this, this is clearly um, clearly not the case. I think we need to have a really good, solid understanding of what it, it means to be to be free in Christ, um, because we've been bought with a price, and our, uh, and our new master has a very real and present claim on our lives. So um, with that being said, we're going to take a look at what is meant by freedom in Christ um, by looking at uh, the, the scriptures I'm talking about in John 8 and Romans 6-8, through 8. and as I read through them, see if you can pick up uh, those places where the scriptures talk about our newfound freedom in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then what I'd like to do at that is uh, follow with a discussion of what we are free from and what we're free to do based on our freedom in Christ. And and what I cover, it won't be exhaustive, I won't hit every point, I'm sure there's many others, but I I just want to give you some major points to think about. And there may be others that come to your mind, and that's absolutely wonderful. And in a subsequent episode, um, I want to talk about what we're not free from and we're not free to do um, as part of being free in Christ. So what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start out uh, in John chapter 8 with verse 31 and read through verse 58. Um, there's going to be quite a bit of scripture here. Um, I encourage you to, to listen and again try to pick up on those places where it talks about our, the change that we have in our nature and our lives based on being saved by Christ. And and how we are free. What we're free from. What we're free to do based on that. So see if you can pick up on it um, as I read through um, these two sections. So starting um, John chapter eight verse thirty one. To the Jews who had believed in so to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. And you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. All this they exclaimed, at this they exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. and was glad. You are not yet fifty years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham? Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to sown him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. So as I was reading through this, you should have picked up on a couple areas of being free. Um, talks about then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I'm talking about being a slave to sin. The Son sets you free, and you'll be free indeed. I'm talking about having the Father as, as, correction, having the devil as your father um, before you come to Christ. Um, you have a freedom from death, and, um, and you have a new father. When you're set free, so there's several there's several things we can pull out of this passage about what what's the impact of being free, and I'll cover those in more detail here in a little bit. Let's turn to Romans chapter six, and we're going to read six, seven, and eight here, and see all see if you can also pick up on um, things that that we're free from and free to do based on um, our belief in Jesus Christ and being saved by Him. So again, Romans uh, chapter six, starting verse one. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace." What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either to sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives, for a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin, producing death in me through through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord." So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now and not only the creation but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies for in this we hope for in this hope we are saved not hope that is seen now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So now, let's take what we've, what we've read there, what we've read together, and let's pull out some of the freedoms. What does freedom in Christ mean? So, the question I ask is, okay, well, what are we free from and what are, what are we free to do, if you will? Okay, so one of, the, one of the critical things that um, Christ gives us is we, are, we have freedom from God's judgment that he is going to mete out against unbelievers, the great white throne judgment. And that's because our name is written in, in the book of life. And the great white throne judgment is talked about in Revelation chapter 20 starting in verse, verse 11. But in uh, Romans uh, 5, verse 9, it says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So here Paul is telling us that Christ is saving us from God's wrath, that judgment on on the unbelievers and and for their sin. Romans uh, 1, verse 18 um, starts and then follows in Romans 2, talking about his wrath and and the righteous judgment against evildoers, and that's what we are being saved from. The first verse in Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the first verse of Romans chapter 8, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So that's what we had read in the passage. There's now no condemnation. There is no judgment from God for our sins. We are free from God's wrath against the unbelievers. Christ also sets us free from death. He gives us freedom from death. Romans in chapter 5, verses 20 and 21 says, Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then Paul in chapter 6, verse 23 of Romans says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It was what we read. He is giving us eternal life. We are free from death. And then, and then also in chapter 6, starting verse 8, Now, if we, if, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So this, this theme of eternal life, he's saving us from death, from the eternal death. We are also free from having Satan as our father. As you remember in John chapter 8, starting verse 42, he said um, to, to the Pharisees, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come, come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. So the people in this world have one of two fathers. They either have the devil as their father or our father in heaven, the creator, as their father. It's one one or the other. And we, are, we have been saved from having Satan as our father. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are with our spirit that we are children of god talking about the fathership that god has over us and now we we are now his children okay so the next one is we we are free from having to conform to the world system Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says do not be conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect now that we no longer have Satan as our father we no longer are a slave to sin which I'll talk about here in a minute we 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 have no requirement to conform to the world system any longer we, can, we don't have to because we're children of God, and he instructs us not to be conformed to this world system. He wants us to renew our mind in his truth. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, Paul says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, talking about the world system here, following the prince of the power of the air, talking about the devil, the spirit, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Talking about us formally following the course of this world, we no longer have to do that because we are free The next one I just mentioned, we are free from being a slave to sin. We're free from having to practice sin. doesn't necessarily mean we can't sin, because we can certainly choose that, but we're no longer a slave to sin where we have to sin. where We're practicing sin. Romans chapter 6, starting verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. And then continue on in verse 10. For the death he died to sin. Once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. And then then continuing in verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. We're no longer enslaved to sin. We're dead to sin. Sin will have no dominion over us so we no longer have to be a slave to sin we have in christ we have a freedom to know the truth back in in uh, in john chapter 8 verse 31 to the jews who had believed him jesus said if you hold to my teaching you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free and we also have the mind of christ which is truth <laughs> he is the way, the truth, and the life. We have the mind of Christ. Um, we we uh, discover this when we read in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting verse 14, where, where Paul says, The natural man does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man judges all things, but he himself is not subject to anyone's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We are also free from being under the law, as you heard through, as we, uh, as we read through Romans. Um, in chapter 6, verse 15, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Here he indicates we're not under the law anymore. Uh, chapter 7, starting in verse 4, likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him, who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God? For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which has held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. And then in uh, in chapter eight, starting verse one. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And I want to, um, I want to share with you what the purpose of the law is when, when Paul said in Galatians chapter three verse, starting verse 19, he says here, what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed, which is Christ, should come to whom the promise was made and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our, was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith, but after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. So the law brings us to Christ by showing us the sinfulness of sin and the sinners, and we need a Savior because the, the law helps us to recognize that, that sin in us. But with Christ, we are now free from being under the law. We are no longer under it. By being in Christ, we are now free to do God's will. We're free to be righteous. We're free to obey Him. When we, were, when we formerly had Satan as our father and a slave to sin, we weren't free to do God's will. Yeah. We weren't free to be righteous. And so now, we've been set free from all that. And we can obey Him. We can, we can follow his command to be holy like, like he is holy and, and to listen and, and obey him. So Romans chapter six, uh, starting verse 10. For the, for the death he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. So talking about here, living a life to God in righteousness, and that's that's what we do. We, we consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. We live a life to God. Um, also in, in Romans 6, in verse 19, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So this refers to that process we go by of sanctification, where we become more and more like Christ. It's, it's like we get better and better, more holy and more holy as, uh, as, he, as the Holy Spirit works in us to sanctify us and being a slave to righteousness and doing things that are righteous as opposed to wicked and sinful. Uh, Romans chapter 8 in verse 3, uh, Paul says here, "'For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemns sin in the flesh.'" Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. So, you know, it says here in the flesh you can't please God. Well, if you're in the Spirit, you can please God. You can obey. You can be righteous. And then Romans chapter 5, verse 15. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness Reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So that righteousness that we are given helps us to reign in this life and and be righteous. Be free to do God's will. Another thing we're free to do is to worship, glorify, and thank God. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 is is one example. I'm sure there's many other scriptures out there um, that demonstrate this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We are presenting our entire existence to God now, that we are free in Christ as a living sacrifice, giving everything for his glory. So that, to me, that encapsulates we're free to worship, glorify, and thank our God in heaven because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. We are free from having to worry, be anxious, and to fear. Not saying we won't necessarily, but we don't have to. God tells us this. In uh, in Romans, going back to Romans chapter 8, starting in verse um, 26, he talks about this. He says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through through wordless groans. So, so here, you know, we may worry about what we need to pray for, but the Spirit is interceding for us because He knows what to pray on our behalf. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose." For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. So we don't have to worry about our our salvation. We We are safe in His hands. And everything in our life is working together for our good. So even though it may seem terrible at the time, It is for our good and his glory and we need to understand that. It will help us not to fear, not to be anxious because he is with us. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? How comforting is that to know God is for us? The creator, the almighty. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? We, we don't have to worry about condemnation. It is God who justifies. He justifies us. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But here it says, Nothing can separate us from his love, so we should not worry. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 and 7 instructs us do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We are, we are safe in our Lord, and we, ha- we have nothing to worry about. And those things that we think we should, we bring it to Him in, in prayer and petition with thanksgiving. And present them to our God. And then Jesus tells us uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 in the Sermon on the Mount, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble, so we're not to be anxious or fearful. And then the last one, um, I'm going to cover. And I, I just want to remind you, this is not a complete list of all those things that we are free from and free to do. But I think it gives us a good, a good starting point and something to, to to really consider and think about, and then and maybe pick up on other. Things as we read the, read through the scriptures is what am I now? How, how is my? What is my? What? What are some other characteristics of my freedom in Christ? Right. Okay. So the last one here is we're free to not have to seek vengeance, and we can instead love our enemies. We can do good, and we can love our neighbors. Romans chapter twelve, starting verse nineteen. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, "Vengeance is mine; I will repay," says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by do, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, before when when we walked according to to this world system, we felt like we, we had to exact vengeance. We had to get our pound of flesh for those who wrong us. But now that we are the Lord's, he, he tells us, Vengeance is his. We have we have no need We have no responsibility in seeking vengeance whatsoever. And on the contrary, he tells us to love our enemies. He tells us to feed them, give them something to drink. He tells us to love our neighbor. He tells us to love one another. So we don't have to worry about exacting vengeance or anything. We're free from that. And then in chapter 13, verse 8 in Romans, owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Love does not wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So we love. We're free to love. And and we don't have to to be angry, seek vengeance, take it out on other people. It it really is freeing when you think about it. And just leave it to God. He says he's got it. (laughs) Vengeance is his. He's got it. We, we do what we're told to do by Him. We be obedient and we love others. We love others. So that's the last one in the list, um, just to go back through it um, real quickly. So what are we free from when, when we become Christ's? What, and what are we free to do? Well, we're free from God's judgment. And we're free from God's wrath. That's one of the key elements. We're free from death. He's given us eternal life. And now there's no condemnation for us. We're free from having Satan as our father. We have a good, holy father who only wants the best things for us. Everything works together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's us. That's us. And we no longer have to serve this, this, this father of lies who's a deceiver. Hallelujah. We're free from having to conform to this world system. How we, used to be, how we used to be conformed to it and following the course of it. Following the prince of the power of the air like I was talking about before. We're free from that. We're free from being a slave to sin and having to practice sin. We're free to know the truth as opposed to all the lies that we're surrounded with in the world system. We can now know the truth. We have the mind of Christ. And this truth, he says, will set you free. We're free from being under the law. Through Christ's death, we are dead to the law. And now we are alive in the spirit. We're free to do God's will to be righteous, to obey. So that's that's kind of the opposite of being a slave to sin. No longer a slave to sin. And, and now we're free to do God's will. And then we're free to worship him, to glorify him, to thank him for being our loving father in heaven. And then we're, we're free from having to worry, to be anxious, to be fearful because of who God is and what he tells us. And then finally, the, the last example I use is we're, f- we're free not to have to seek vengeance. And instead, we can love our enemies. We can love our neighbors. We can love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's because of who God is. It's because of who God is. So these are all things that we can rejoice in knowing about the freedom in Christ. And, and next time, I, I want to talk about what are we not free from? Because I think there's some misunderstandings. And I want to make sure that we, we understand that there's certain things that we're we're not free from in Christ. And so I'm going to make you wait for it. Uh, we've already gone over uh, know, about 40 minutes here. And uh, I think we we'd go quite... <laughs> quite a bit longer, so I'll save it for the next episode. But I hope you found this um, to, be, uh, to be edifying and, and something that you can rejoice in. Rejoice to, uh, to our Father in Heaven for what He's done for us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so until next time, may God bless you.